Hello everyone. It's so good to be with you today. My name is Derek. I'm one of the church leaders here at Ebby. Thank you so much for having me in your home. Now today is our second look at Jeremiah, the person, the book in the Bible. Indeed, Jeremiah was one of the great prophets and given that we are actually having a short three-week series, this does mean we're already halfway through. Now, Jeremiah is in anguish. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, he's experiencing this anguish at a very personal level because he feels pain. He feels the fear, the worry, the struggle in his own soul. And the language that we're about to hear, certainly in our reading, depicts so clearly that these were crisis times. Immediately, I find myself making comparisons to where we are just now. A global crisis that none of us have ever experienced before. Big questions around how could God let this pandemic happen? Very real hardship, sadness and loss. Personal impact that each and every one of us has felt for ourselves. And loneliness, isolation like never before. And as we think about Jeremiah, it is helpful to translate what we learn together into our own current circumstances. So let's read, unsurprisingly, from the Bible book of Jeremiah. This is chapter 15, and I'm starting the reading at verse 10. Now, you know you're in for a rocky ride when the first word in our reading is alas. So here we go. Alas, my mother, that you gave me birth, a man with whom a the whole land strives and contends. I have neither lent nor borrowed, yet everyone curses me. The Lord said, Surely I will deliver you for a good purpose. Surely I will make your enemies plead with you in times of disaster and times of distress. Can a man break iron, iron from the north or bronze? Your wealth and your treasures I will give as plunder without charge because of all your sins throughout your country. I will enslave you to your enemies in a land that you do not know, for my anger will kindle a fire that will burn against you. You understand, O Lord, remember me and care for me. Avenge me on my persecutors. You are long-suffering. Do not take me away. Think of how I suffer reproach for your sake. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. I never sat in the company of revellers, never made merry with them. I sat alone because your hand was on me and you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? Will you be to me like a deceptive brook? like a spring that fails. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, I will restore you, that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, 
you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you to rescue and save you, declares the Lord. I will save you from the hands of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the cruel. Now, I want to frame a few thoughts in response to this reading around three obvious matters that are contained here. First of all, anguish. Next, complaint. And lastly, promise. So firstly, let's consider Jeremiah's anguish here. And I think that anything that is an expression of, I wish I'd never been born, reveals a depth of anguish, a severity in suffering. Alas, my mother, that you gave me birth, Jeremiah actually said. Now, judgment was coming upon the people of God. Judgment that they had brought upon themselves because of their rebellion, their disregard of God. The people had turned their own way. They'd rejected God, they had done evil, they had pursued wickedness, they had ignored justice. Now let's be honest, when you live this kind of life, there are going to be inevitable and severe repercussions. But Jeremiah, he was God's prophet to the people, acting to declare God's word. He was the voice speaking God's revelation to the people. And last week, Emma spoke to us so helpfully about Jeremiah's call. And we thought about how God calls each of us to his purposes. But right now for Jeremiah, it seems that whatever he said to his people, however he encouraged them to return to God, they were set on their own course away from God. Judgment was at the door. Jeremiah's own people rejected his words and Jeremiah himself is in anguish and despair. I wonder, pausing for a moment, what your anguish is. I mean, is it linked to the pandemic that we've had for the last year? I'll tell you what, name your anguish. Why not shout it out at the screen here and now? After all, I can't hear you. Give it expression. Let it out. Don't suppress it. Don't hide it. Don't pretend it isn't there. You know, sometimes I think just naming your pain is a starting place in handling it. And Jeremiah is doing just that here. He's crying out. And you can see the specifics of the anguish that he is feeling. It kind of goes along the lines of, I am God's prophet. I am God's voice to the people. I am fulfilling what God has called me to do. I'm warning the people. I'm encouraging them to return to God. And what happens? Everyone strives with me. Everyone contends with me. And we find here that his anguish contains a number of different elements. 
first of all, one of rejection. He was called to bring God's word to the people. And what is Jeremiah's summary? Everyone curses me. Then there was unfairness. Jeremiah was doing what God had called him to do, but he was suffering as a result. And he said himself, I suffer reproach for your sake. Thirdly, there was isolation. Jeremiah was the minority and he was standing against the majority. He said, I sat alone. And fourthly, it's as if there is no end in sight. He indicates that his anguish is continuing incessantly. And he asks the question, why is my pain unending? And I wonder, do you relate to any of these elements in your anguish just now? Now, to say that all Jeremiah was doing here was naming his anguish would actually be untrue. Because alongside naming his pain, Jeremiah brings his complaint to God. And this is my second point for today. Yes, Jeremiah names his anguish, but with this, he is bringing it to God. In fact, to say he's bringing his anguish to God isn't wholly true either. No, Jeremiah is actually having a go at God. He's complaining. He's expressing frustration. And you can see for yourself that Jeremiah 15, from which we read together, is actually a two-way discussion between Jeremiah and God. And all that Jeremiah is saying, he is saying in front of God and he is saying to God. And look at what he's saying. Think of how I suffer reproach for your sake. Why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? Will you be to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails? Now, I don't know if the thought of complaining to God makes you feel uncomfortable. How can the created complain to the creator? How can mere mortals raise a grievance against Almighty God? How dare the servant address the master in this way? I wonder if that's what we're thinking just now. But as I considered these thoughts, my mind went back to early March of last year. And I want to read to you an entry in my journal because, and I'm being very honest with you here, I had a real good moan at God. And please forgive me if I raise any upset in you because I am going to be referencing our dear friend and family member at Ebby Church, Jean Smith. Now this is how my journal reads. This is over a year ago. I've been trying to make sense of the last 24 hours. So yesterday, Ange and I went to visit Jean in Southmead Hospital. We really felt it was our goodbye, given that today we were to travel to Southampton and would be away for a desperately needed break. Jean would almost certainly go home to be with the Lord while we were away. Walking down Monks Park Avenue, Angela tripped on the uneven pavement and hurt her hands trying to save the fall. I was very, it was very painful, 
So we walked straight to A&E. While Angela was waiting, I visited Jean. She was sleeping mainly, but when she woke briefly, she seemed aware it was me. I prayed over her. I commended her to the Lord and kissed her goodbye. Back in A&E, X-rays confirmed a fracture in Angela's right hand. She had a temporary plaster and an appointment booked for tomorrow for the permanent one. I felt so frustrated with God for not simply preventing the accident. Except that staying in Bristol an extra day today meant we were here when the news came through. Jean had passed away. We made calls, created communications to let everyone know, and we were able to visit Jean's family in the hospital room. Now, for all I know, you might be raising the question, how can a church leader vocalise frustration with God? And did you cringe at Jeremiah's own words spoken directly to God? Will you be to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails? I mean, you could paraphrase this in the following way. As a person needing a drink approaches a stream only to find it has dried up, will you, God, fail to sustain me in my need? That's what Jeremiah was saying. And you kind of want to react, really, Jeremiah? How can you say this to God? And yet... And yet, my mind goes back to our Good Friday service just a couple of weeks ago when we focused our attention on Jesus' own words from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I feel that Jesus himself gives us permission to be completely honest with God in our human suffering to express the anguish that we feel and to ask God the hard questions. I mean, I'm not necessarily encouraging you to complain to God, but what I am suggesting is this, we can be open with him and he listens, he responds and he still loves us. After all, what is the point of saying politely in our prayers, Dear God, please help me, as it has been a rather trying day. When inside, your spirit is crying out, Lord, the kids are driving me up the wall, the car's broken down again, and I've got a splitting headache. Where are you, God? Don't you think that God hears the raw and honest outcry of our spirit? rather than the polite words that we speak. But I want to move on to say this. God's response to Jeremiah comprises a load of wonderful promises. But with those promises, a little bit of a reminder for Jeremiah concerning his attitude. And this is the third and final point I want to make today. Yes, we can take comfort that, like Jeremiah, we can voice our anguish to God with a genuine honesty. But let us 
Be careful not to fall into the enemy's trap of doubting God's promises, along with a whole load of self-pity. I know we get our doubts. I know that it's hard to see God's promises in the middle of our pain. I know we can be like Thomas. Unless I can see with my eyes, I will not believe. I know we can be like that father who said to Jesus, I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. But know this, with no shadow of a doubt whatsoever, God will not fail his promises. I mean, Jeremiah practically said to God, you promised to sustain me, but you're not keeping that promise. Are you like a spring that's dried up? And now God grabs Jeremiah's attention. Now, Jeremiah, if you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. I kind of want to say, Jeremiah, you are on thin ice if you want to accuse God of failing his promises. Because God never fails his promise. And now comes a whole flow of promises from God to Jeremiah. I will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall of bronze, and they'll fight against you, but they will not overcome you. For I am with you to rescue you and to save you, declares the Lord. I will save you from the hands of the wicked and I will redeem you from the grasp of the cruel. We can and must hold on to the promises of God. They will never fail. But can I say this? There is something even better than God's promise to rescue to save, to redeem. The Scottish theologian P.T. Forsyth, in his book, The Soul of Prayer, wrote this. We find that the complete answer to prayer is the answerer. Pete Gregg, in his book, God Unmute, says this. When we decide that we want God more then we want his stuff. The most amazing thing happens. We are rewired and our requests are either altered as we grow to know and prefer what he wants for us, or they are simply answered because in seeking first the kingdom of God, all these things are given to us as well. I've been doing some research concerning the Muller orphan homes during the war years. And I noted with interest that a letter was received from a donor who lived in Slough during the Second World War. And I'm quoting this donor's letter. God's presence in the trial is much better than exemption from the trial. The sympathy of his heart with us is sweeter far than the power of his hand for us. The master's presence with his faithful servants while passing through the furnace was better far than the display of his power to keep them out of it. We would frequently desire to be allowed to pass on our way without trial, but this would involve serious loss. 
The Lord's presence is never so sweet as in moments of appalling difficulty. So once again, we find that surviving the trials of life is rooted in our relationship with God through Jesus, whereby we can be honest with him. We can, we can express the raw anguish of our souls. We can pray with sincere hearts and we can hold on to his wonderful promises. Our dependency is not in the answers to our prayers, but rather in the one who answers our prayers. We're helped more in the praying than in the receiving of answers. I wonder if you agree with me on that. In God's abundant answer to Jeremiah's prayer, God promises, I will restore you. I will make you strong against the enemy. I will rescue you. I will save you. I will redeem you. But to me, that all pales into insignificance when compared with the better answer that God gives to Jeremiah. I am with you. In our anguish, in our struggling, may we know God's promises. But more than this, may we know his presence. It's what David wrote in that famous Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why, David? For you are with me. I want to end my talk just reading to you from a book. John Musgrave was a person who was diagnosed with cancer and he was told he had a 20% chance of surviving. Now John Musgrave attended church for the first time after an operation after a period of recovery at home. And he writes this, I lost it when I tried to join the congregation singing, How Great Thou Art. I couldn't get the words out and something totally broke inside me. I couldn't feel God close to me. He didn't feel very great at that moment. I have never cried or been as hurt as I was at that moment. I literally wanted to curl up in a ball on the floor. I didn't understand where these emotions were coming from and could not calm myself down. Andy pushed his way down the aisle behind me and threw his arms over my shoulders and held me. It felt like I was being held together that without his arms I would crumble to the floor. I could well have ended up rolling on the carpet. I needed someone else to hold me up. And there was God again. He wasn't going to let me fall apart and be crushed by circumstances. He wasn't going to let me be alone. He was there, right there in the pit of despair that had engulfed me. I find myself just agreeing with John Musgrave. Better far to know God's presence with us. That's the best promise. That's the guarantee that we have. God is with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He walks with us. 
He's in our pain. He's in our anguish. He proved that. Jesus died on the cross for us. I wonder if I can pray for us all as we come to the close of our service together. Lord God, I want to pray for all those who are with us today in this service or catching up later, who are experiencing such anguish and pain, maybe despair right now for whatever reason, linked to the pandemic or otherwise. And Lord God, may every single person like that know and feel your presence with them. Lord, we know that you will be with them, but may they know you right by their side. Help us all, Lord, in our pain, in our struggling, in our anguish, to be honest with you, to be open with you, and to receive your promises. But more than that, to know your presence with us in the hard times. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to hand over to the Ebby worship team as we have another song together as our worship to God. It's been good to see you today and may God bless you.